0: Sometimes it's fun when, well, it's always fun, I think, to prepare homilies. I enjoy it, and I had it all figured out how I was going to start this homily today. Now, you see, today is we're celebrating the translation of the relics, the bones of Ignatius of Antioch. That's one of the two saints that we're particularly commemorating today, Demetrius of Chios and and, uh, St. Ignatius of Antioch. And so I had this all planned out, how I was going to start this. And I was going to say, the old man leapt to his feet, and with fullness of faith, without a heartbeat of hesitation, with faith without fear. And then I thought, the old man, he was my age. (laughs) And I thought, wow, what a thing, what an amazing thing. Well, here's how I see it. The old man leapt to his feet and without a flicker of fear and with fullness of faith and without a heartbeat of hesitation, he took on his enemies with delight. And it was the greatest battle that he'd ever fought in his life. He was in the Colosseum in Rome and his enemies, two lions And it was just moments before all that was left of Ignatius of Antioch were a few of his larger bones. And that is what we're celebrating today, the taking of those relics that his friends and disciples had gathered in the Colosseum after his death. They had gathered those bones and then they were taken back to Antioch where he had been the bishop. What an amazing man this man was. Now, we celebrate his main day in December. And so you saw some of us wearing our ribbon for the order of St. Ignatius of Antioch in December, and that's very appropriate. But today we're celebrating the translation of his relics. Now, this is one amazing man, just so you have the picture in your mind. You know, this is just for fun. It really doesn't have a whole lot to do with with the homily, but it is kind of for fun. The Romans had this a couple of weeks of games that the emperor put on. It was a big deal, and, and the people came. You know, it was the bread and circuses, you know, in the Roman Empire. And so here they put on these games, and and huge crowds of people came. And when Ignatius of Antioch was thrown before the lions in the Colosseum in Rome, it was at the very end of the games, and the people were looking for something that was... They, they were bloodthirsty. They had all kinds of games, but they loved it when blood was shed, and Ignatius was one where blood was shed. So there was a huge crowd gathered on that particular day. The the Colosseum would always be full when this was celebrated. So here Ignatius, he's a spectacle before all Rome. They're there to watch him be devoured by lions. Now, the heart of the homily today happens to be on another subject, however, but I wanted you to know the story. And I, there's a little more of this story I'm going to tell before we're through. you got to have that background. Today, the choir sang by sharing the ways of the apostles. This is the Apolitechian of Ignatius of Antioch. There's not one of you in here who knows what an Apolitechian is. It's a hymn it's a particular hymn to to whomever it is sung and this is the the of ignatius bishop of antioch by sharing in the ways of the apostles you became a successor to their throne there's going to be three things that's not the homily but the, there's three things we sing about here secondly and this is what i'm really after through the practice of virtue You found the way to divine contemplation, O inspired one of God. I'm going to read that one again. Through the practice of virtue, you found the way to divine contemplation, O inspired one of God. By teaching, the third, by teaching the word of truth without error, you defended the faith even to the shedding of your blood hieromartyr martyr that means priest, priest-martyr, Ignatius, entreat Christ God to save our souls. Now my homily focuses on through the practice of virtue, you found the way to divine contemplation. For several weeks in December, I talked to you about learning to use that knower down inside of you, that capacity to know within, that knowing in your human spirit, Or maybe another way to say to know, to understand, to grasp in your human heart? Now, when we sing in this hymn to Ignatius of Antioch, when we sing this line, through the practice of virtue, you found a way to divine contemplation, O inspired one of God. We've got to work with this word contemplation. You have to understand what is meant here. Contemplation doesn't mean to sit on a rock and say, ponder, ponder, ponder. Or it doesn't mean to say, I'm going to think really hard. That is not what is meant by contemplation in this hymn. And it is not what is meant in our faith when we talk about contemplation. What that's about is we we, we talk about thinking about things. There's nothing wrong with thinking about things. There's nothing wrong with trying to grasp a hold of a truth. But that's not contemplation contemplation is grasping something down in your human spirit that has to be shown to you. And these young ladies in the front row can grasp it as easily or more easily than I grasp it because I have more barriers to my understanding on that level than they do. Because they're not bound by all the chains that make us think only with our heads and not to think in our hearts. Thinking in your heart, a better way to say it, it's divine contemplation. You're contemplating down in your heart. But for most of us, that's a hard grasp. The truth is, how are you supposed to be able to sit or stand in this divine liturgy and from blessed is the kingdom till the final blessing, how are you supposed to hang in there? It's really hard, isn't it? Isn't it hard to keep your attention? Well, you'll never keep your attention until you can celebrate the divine liturgy down in your heart. Frankly, I go back and forth. I mean, honestly, there's times I'm utterly in my head, but there's times I slip into my heart. Do you ever slip from your heart to your head? It's really easy, isn't it? I can operate in my head really easily. I'm actually very good at that. Where I'm not very good is operating in my heart. Oh, I understand a little bit. You know, I I was thinking this week, how can I describe what it is to operate in the heart? Well, this is a little bit romantic, but I was thinking the first thought that came to my mind, the first thought was when I first met this young lady uh, about 55 years ago or something like that. And I can remember when I said, I love you, it really was from my heart. And I understood what was going on there, and I understood there wasn't even really my head. I understood there was something in my heart about her. And then my utter focus was upon her. I, that, that's the first thing that comes to my mind when it's from my heart. Or when I think about my children, and I think about their welfare, you know, sometimes it's in my head, but then I have these times When it's just a feeling, just in my heart, I am dwelling upon my children. And there's something that goes on down there. And honestly, there's times when it's you. Because I think about you, I pray for you, and I ask the Lord to bless you. And there's times I ask the Lord to bless you, and frankly, I'm not even paying attention. And there's times I ask the Lord to bless you, and it is so much from my heart. And many times it's very much by your name that I'm asking the Lord to bless you. And frankly, sometimes it's only in my head. And I even know it's only in my head and I'm wishing it were in my heart. But then there's other times when it goes straight down into my heart. Do you understand the difference I'm talking about? Do you understand there's a difference? And so we're talking about contemplation, this divine contemplation that we're talking about. This is what the bishop had. He had the capacity for divine contemplation. He had the capacity to understand in his heart. He had the capacity, as it were, this is not said correctly, to think in his heart. But it isn't thinking about, you know, this is based on this, a major premise, minor premise, conclusion, and all this kind of stuff. It was a grasping within the heart, an understanding within the heart. You find it difficult to get there, don't you? Don't you? Don't you find it difficult to get into the heart? How do you get there? One way, and it's very important, it is by the practice of virtue. If you are not a practicer of virtue, don't count on getting from here to here. Don't count on it, because you won't make it. We sing about it when we sing to Ignatius, through the practice of virtue, you found a way to divine contemplation, through the practice of very good, wholesome, powerful deeds. You did the right stuff, Ignatius, you did the right stuff. It's not the only thing, but it's imperative. It is the practice of virtue that is so terribly imperative. What kind of virtue? Oh, there's all kinds of virtues. Even the Greek philosophers understood what virtue was. Roman philosophers understood virtue. Of course the biblical writers understood virtue. There are many virtues. In Latin it is, tooth, It's power. It takes strength and power. The same word for strength is the word for virtue, so it is in Greek. It takes power to live a virtuous life. You need to practice virtue. Sometimes it's so easy to just skip virtue, isn't it? It's so often easy to just skip doing the right thing and do the easy thing because there's a difference often between the right thing and the easy thing. It's a difference in school for you kids that are in school. Isn't it often easier to do the easy thing than the right thing? What you do is you build a habit over your life of doing the easy instead of the right. Instead of the practice of virtue, we just do what's slothful. We do the easy. We do what, we do what, what doesn't take any strength or effort to do it. And what you do is you dull your heart. You know, the, the scriptures say, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Oh, there's all kinds of things in the scriptures about virtue. You know, there's a virtue in being brave. There's virtue in being brave when you're in a whole lot of trouble. There's virtue in being brave when you could get out of it by just being chicken. Is that not true? Now, I don't know if this actually happened. I'm going to read you something. And I love this. This is fun. This is from Our Father Among the Saints, John Chrysostom, Archbishop of Constantinople, whose divine liturgy we celebrate today. Only it comes from something he wrote or a sermon he preached on the translation of the relics of Ignatius of Antioch back to Antioch. He preached a sermon on it because John Chrysostom, when that happened, was a priest in the city of Antioch. John Chrysostom was Archbishop of Constantinople, but before he was that, he grew up and was a deacon and a priest, a reader, in Antioch. He was well into his adult life when he was the Archbishop of Constantinople. He was such a good preacher, they had to put him in the capital. But he preached this sermon. We call this a panegyric. What it is, is you're exalting, You're, you're telling the good stuff about someone who has passed on. Now, whether this actually happened in this way or not, I cannot prove. It's in John Chrysostom's sermon, it's, you know, and, and he had to get this from reports. But here is a conversation that took place between the emperor of the Roman Empire and the puny little old bishop of Antioch, Ignatius. The emperor Trajan a powerful and not really all that bad of a man. Trajan was not one of the worst emperors. Here's the conversation that took place before the emperor. And when he was set before the emperor Trajan, that prince, the emperor of the empire, folks, this is the greatest empire the world had ever seen. This is the most powerful man on the face of the earth in that day. And when he was set before the Emperor Trajan, that Prince said to him, who are you wicked wretch? The Emperor is calling Ignatius a wicked wretch, who set yourself to transgress our command. Now our is very rhetorical. It means my command. Who are you to set yourself to transgress our commands and persuade others to do the same so that they should miserably perish? He's being fried by the emperor. Ignatius replied, No one ought to call Theophorus wicked. Now, Theophorus is Ignatius' name. This is what we call him. It means God-bearer. And so we call his official name in the church is Ignatius, the Godbearer, Theophorus, the Godbearer of Antioch. Well, this is a remarkable thing. And the emperor calls Ignatius "wicked wretch," and the poor meek." No The virtuous. Ignatius. Before the emperor of the Roman Empire, he turns to the emperor and he says, "No one ought to call me wicked." But he doesn't say it that way. No one ought to call the God-bearer wicked. This is going to be very important to what is said here, and it's why we're after this today. No one ought to call offerer wicked, for all evil spirits have departed from the servants of God. But if, because I am an enemy to these spirits, you call me wicked in respect to them, I quite agree with you. I'm an enemy. I'm an enemy of some spirits. I'm an enemy of wicked spirits, but I'm not one of them, is what he's saying. I quite agree with you. For inasmuch as I have Christ, the King of heaven, within me, I destroy all the devices of these evil spirits. Trajan answered, And who is Theophorus? The God-bearer. Who is Theophorus? Ignatius replied. Are you with me? Are you hanging on? Ignatius is going to describe a Christian. You with me? Ignatius replied, He who has Christ within his breast. That's who Theophorus is. Who is Theophorus today? Point to some. Is that not right? Who is Theophorus? He who has Christ within his breast. To put it in our modern language, he who has Christ in his heart. Trajan said, do we not, Is that rhetorical again, do I? Do we not seem to you to have the gods in our mind? Don't you think we have the gods in our mind? Oh, he misses something. Ignatius said, we have Christ in our breast." And Trajan said, don't you think we have the gods in our mind? You see the difference? Trajan doesn't understand. The emperor doesn't understand what he's saying. Do we not seem to you to have the gods in our minds whose assistance we enjoy in fighting against our enemies? Whoa, talk about a virtuous man. The emperor of the Roman Empire, the only person on the face of this earth who could save his life. Ignatius answered, you are in error when you call the demons when you call the demons of the nations gods. You're in error when you call the demons of the nations gods. And they're your gods, Mr. Emperor. For there is but one God who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that are in them, and one Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, whose kingdom may I enjoy. Trajan said... Oh, Trajan's not so dumb. And this is not one of the worst emperors. Trajan said, do you mean him who was crucified under Pontius Pilate?" Ignatius replied, I mean him who crucified my sin with him who was the inventor uh, and with him, him who was the inventor of it, that is the devil, and who has condemned and cast down all the deceit and malice of the devil under the feet of those who carry him in their heart. Trajan said, do you then carry within thee him that was crucified? You carry him within you? Ignatius replied, truly so. For it is written, I will dwell in them and walk in them. Trajan pronounced this sentence as follows. According to John Chrysostom, we command that Ignatius, who affirms that he carries about within him that was crucified, be bound by soldiers and carried to the great city of Rome, there to be devoured by the beasts, for the gratification of the people. Woo! Talk about virtue. Talk about power. Talk about someone who had some courage. That's his one little virtue. Today we're celebrating Ignatius, the God-bearer of Antioch. Today we're celebrating Ignatius Theophorus, the one who carries Christ within himself. Is he the only one? Does not Christ dwell in the deacon? Does not Christ dwell in the subdeacon? Does not Christ dwell on the altar, sirs? Does not Christ dwell in you? Did not he come to take his place in you when you were baptized into Christ? Did he not come within you? Then what yet do you lack you've been able to grasp in your heart, if you lack? It's that practice of virtue. At least that's one major issue. So we sang today today. Through the practice of virtue, you grasp divine contemplation. Let me exhort you, encourage you, in every way I know how, practice virtue. Practice those deeds that take power to practice in the face of any kind of adversity. Practice them, and it will be a step on your road to divine contemplation.